A reading from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Hear the Lord of the Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is the great in heaven. For in the same way we persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're starting a new sermon series this month, a sermon series that you might recognize titled The Upside Down Kingdom. And throughout this sermon series, we're going to be addressing a possibly familiar question to you. What does it mean to be the church? Ah, yes, you might have heard me ask this question in reference to our uh, Zoom Bible study that's happening on Sunday nights right now. What does it mean to be the church? But I think this is a very important question for us to be asking right now because there is so much going on in our world, and I mean so much, and it, it's becoming cliche to say that, but there's so much going on in our world right now that's vying for our attention, that's calling us to look this way and that, and that's keeping us at home and keeping us isolated and keeping us in uncertainty. And in all of this, we need to be reminded that God is still at work and seeking to work through each and every one of us. And how does God choose to do that? Through the church. The church is not canceled during this time. We may not be having in-person activities right now, but the church is not canceled. The church is not closed. It just looks different. And so we need to be reminded what does it mean to be the church? The church, you see, and this is important, the church is God's work in the world, not ours. And that's something that's very, that's very crucial for us to grasp during this time because even in the best of times, we like to think of the church as ours. How many times do we say, this is my church? Welcome to my church, or welcome to our church. We need to be reminded that the church is God's work in the world. We are merely the tools that are being used through God's great work. It's not ours. And whenever I start, I'm, the reason I start by saying that is because whenever we're referring to the upside-down kingdom, what we are referring to is to the way that God is working in the world that's going to look very different from the way we might want to look in the world. For instance, take our scripture lesson today. 
Our scripture lesson today, you might be familiar with, these are what's called the Beatitudes or the Blessings, a series of statements that begin Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There's also a second set of them that look similar in Luke, titled the Sermon on the Plain. But these Beatitudes make a few very dramatic statements. And I say dramatic because if you actually hear these statements and take them to heart, you'll realize that what God is calling the world to, what God is calling us to, looks very different than what we have set up our lives to look like. Let's begin. The very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Luke, uh, this beatitude just simply says, blessed are the poor. Uh, scholars believe Matthew added the in spirit thing because Matthew tends to focus on a little bit more of the spiritual side, whereas Luke focuses a little bit more on the uh, earthly side, I suppose you could say. Um, but in this beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, we recognize that while our culture prioritizes wealth, God blesses poverty. And that statement already does not make sense. How could anybody who is in poverty actually be blessed? Aren't we the people who, whenever we receive a bonus, say, oh, what a blessing. We are blessed during this time. Or, for those of you hip people, hashtag blessed. We don't really say, if we find ourselves in a moment of poverty, whether that be in, in financial wealth or in spiritual wealth, we don't find ourselves saying, I am so blessed right now. But God does say that. While our culture prioritizes wealth, God blesses poverty. Second, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm sorry. I don't really get that one. Because our culture prioritizes happiness. We're supposed to be happy all the time. The only time where it's okay to be sad is if you're alone by yourself or you're at a funeral. Otherwise, you have to be happy all the time. Case in point, have you ever been just walking with somebody and they ask, hey, how are you? And did you ever say something other than, I'm good or I'm fine? If you did, kudos to you for honesty. But typically our response is, I'm good, I'm doing well, because our culture prioritizes happiness while God blesses mourning, while God blesses brokenness, while God blesses anguish. And that doesn't make sense, but this is God's kingdom, not ours. Our, in the uh, third beatitude, we see, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, but our culture prioritizes assertiveness. If you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to get what you're looking for. You have to be willing to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, if you will. That's what our culture teaches. Meanwhile, God blesses meekness, humility, and that's not something that we typically rely on. We like it whenever people are humble, but we give leadership to those who are assertive. The fourth beatitude, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Mm. Our culture prioritizes being filled, not being hungry and thirsty. It is the hungry and thirsty that we look upon with sympathy, with pity, and say, oh, poor them, bless their hearts. It is in our culture the thing to do if you're hungry to go and get something to eat to fill yourself when you need to fill yourself. Our, pri our culture prioritizes being filled while God blesses hunger and thirst. The next beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Meanwhile, our culture prioritizes ferocity. Our culture believes that you should have a certain strength about you, and mercy is weakness. We might say mercy is nice, mercy is kind, but when it comes down to it, the people in leadership are those who will be more ferocious than those who will be more merciful. And then, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Mm. We hear that when we think, yes, of course, blessed are the pure in heart. However, our culture prioritizes corruption. And I don't think that we can look out at our world today and say otherwise, because corruption permeates every single aspect of our world. Politics aside, let's just look right now at the way in which just a handful of technology giants are controlling everything that happens on the internet. And whenever I say controlling, I mean they are the ones in charge. Our culture prioritizes corruption while God blesses purity specifically purity in heart. And we might think, oh no, corruption is bad. But when it comes down to it, if it gets the job done, God blesses purity in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh yes, another one in which we say, yes, God bless the peacemakers, yet our culture prioritizes war and, con and conflict. Our society is literally set up between the right and the left and saying, you need to pick a side. And no matter what side you're on, you're going to be wrong. But we need this kind of conflict for some reason. Meanwhile, God blesses the peacemakers. And the next beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted our culture prioritizes safety. Our culture says you need to protect yourself. You need to take a neutral stance. You need to be careful what you say because you might be persecuted. Our culture prioritizes safety while God blesses those who are persecuted. And lastly, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. In a culture that prioritizes being praised, 
God blesses those who are reviled. And yes, our culture does prioritize being praised. We have award shows all the time. We have so many different talent shows and game shows that are just out there to praise one or a handful of people. We have stars. We have actors and actresses, musicians, people all across the board who are seeking fame because our, our culture prioritizes being praised. Meanwhile, God blesses those who are reviled, those who are reviled for God's sake. And so with the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we already begin to see that God has an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that looks very different from ours, a kingdom based on blessing that which we have said is not worth it. And what does it mean being blessed? This is an interesting word, right? It's a very churchy word. It's, something, it's a word we like to call, it's in Christianese, because you don't really hear it outside of other contexts, outside of some religious sphere. To be blessed really means that some higher power is showing, showing you favor. But what does this word really mean? Well, the word being to be blessed really makes the most sense when it is placed in contrast to being in want or being needy. Yeah, take that, take that in for a moment. To be blessed is the opposite of to be in need. And we look back on some of these Beatitudes and we start to see, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means blessed are those whose spirits are wanting, or blessed are those who are in need, who are impoverished. Why? Because to be blessed means to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. Some translations say happy, but even happiness is too fleeting for the term blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who mourn are experiencing some sort of loss within themselves or in their lives those who are in want of something that has gone away and God promises blessing, they might be satisfied. And so on and so forth. To be blessed, if we look at God's kingdom, God is here for those who have little to nothing. Well, what about those of us who have, you know, we're doing all right, we've got stuff. What about those who are wealthy, those of us who are happy, those of us who are assertive, those of us who are filled, those of us who are ferocious, those of us who are corrupt, those of us who love war and conflict, those of us who cherish safety, those of us who just want to be praised? Well, in Jesus' eyes, we are the ones who have already earned our reward. For each of these things grant something worldly, but lack something spiritually. Meanwhile, on the other side of these beatitudes, each of these things, to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, to hunger and thirst, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be a peacemaker, to be persecuted, to be reviled, each of these things shows somebody who is lacking something worldly being satisfied by something spiritually. God's kingdom is upside down. 
Well, it's upside down for us. You see, the truth is more of the opposite way. Really, we are the ones living in an upside down world. Meanwhile, God's kingdom is right side up. It just looks upside down to us because we've been standing in the, from the wrong perspective all along. You see, God has called the church to be the example and the embodiment of God's kingdom on earth. Perhaps you'll recognize a prayer that we pray in just a little bit in the Lord's Prayer, and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has been allowing the kingdom to collide with earth for a very long time now, and the church is meant to be a part of that, God's kingdom being made manifest here on earth. And so what that means is living lives that look very different from what matters to the world around us. Our world is going to prioritize certain things that don't really matter in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, money doesn't matter. Fame doesn't matter. Why? Because they're just distractions. They take us away from God. And so, whenever we ask the question, what does it mean to be the church in today's age? Well, we start by asking what we were meant to be from the very beginning. We were meant to be the example and embodiment of God's kingdom here on earth right now, to be living lives countercultural to the rest of the world. And, and this isn't something that's new. It's also not something that just started 2,000 years ago with the formation of the first church. In fact, God has been trying to break through into our realm for quite some time. It begins as far back as, the, as, uh, as Abraham and the beginning of the Jewish people. You see, throughout Scripture, we begin to see that the Jewish people were meant to be a people group that resembled what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. A people who, who were embodiments of love in the world. A people who didn't need any king because God was enough. A people who found their satisfaction in God and not in the other things of this world. However, being human beings, it was very difficult for them to live this out. There were prophets and there were judges and many moments along the way in which they learned their lesson. But then we begin to see a transformation when Jesus comes, when God incarnate breaks into the world. And what we see is the church taking form. The church which initially started as those Jewish people who said, okay, this is the direction we're going in now. And we take, upon, we take upon ourselves this very same mantle to be the kingdom of God breaking through into the world. And so throughout the rest of this month, that's what we're going to be looking at. Asking the question, what does it mean to be the church by looking at God's upside down kingdom? And so, beginning with the Beatitudes, my challenge for each and every one of us this week is to explore, to explore what it means to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, to hunger and thirst, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be a peacemaker, to be persecuted, to be reviled. 
Now, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that you need to go out into the world and give up all of your possessions right now, even though Jesus does say that. And I'm not saying that you need to go find reasons to be sad and mourn. And I'm not saying that you need to go and change your personality. Although maybe you might, I don't know. I'm not saying that you need to go out there and be hungry and thirsty for something in the world. I'm not saying that you need to, be, to go out there and try to cause up trouble so that you'll be persecuted and reviled. What I am saying is I want you to think on how God is calling you to participate in each one of these things. Or how God might be blessing you in each one of these things. My challenge is that we might, through each of these beatitudes, through each of these countercultural lifestyles, if you will, that we might begin to recognize how great of a distraction the things our culture prioritizes are. And that looking from a new perspective, an upside down perspective, we might begin to recognize what God's kingdom looks like here on earth. It looks like those who are poor in spirit. It looks like those who mourn. It looks like those who are meek. It looks like those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It looks like those who are merciful and those who are pure in heart. It looks like the peacemakers. It looks like the persecuted. It looks like the reviled. Because each of those individuals have given up something of this world in order to live into something of God's kingdom. Namely, the poor in spirit receive the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn receive comfort. Those who are meek inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness find righteousness and are filled by it. Those who are merciful receive mercy. Those who are pure in heart, they see God. Those who are peacemakers are called children of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake receive the kingdom of heaven. Those who revile, who are reviled and persecuted on Jesus' account, receive a reward great in heaven. God's kingdom is upside down to our own. And it's time we change our perspective and start seeing God's kingdom as the right side up way for our lives. And then to allow the church, our church, to be shaped around that. So let us be the embodiment of God's upside-down kingdom. And let us pray.